This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we get the inside take from actors, artists, and creators on their work, their career, and the things they obsess about. I'm your host, Connie Guillermo. Damien Becher describes himself as a big fan of tech, telling me how he's turned to YouTube to learn everything from how to cook new recipes to playing guitar. I spoke with the actor about his first role where the main characters are completely computer generated and about two other roles he's taken on in the past year in quieter, more introspective films. And of course, I talked to Bashir about his obsessions. Thank you, Damien Pichere, for joining us today to talk about some of the projects that you've been working on and your life as an actor and an artist. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm going to start, though, by asking, how have you been dealing with lockdown and this pandemic? Uh, you know, I, I try not to be on anybody else's way. You know, I try to uh, be part of the solution and not part of the chaos. Um, and, and it's a, it's a very simple equation for me because, uh, this is, this is me when I'm not working, you know, this is, I'm, I'm very, I'm a hermit <laughs> in, in different ways. So I, I spend a lot of time, you know, like good time with myself and, um, I, I have so much homework to do. So this is me when I'm not working, you know, I'm in, in pandemic mode. And uh, which is, you know, reading and writing and uh, playing music and uh, making music and, uh, you know, continue with the uh, things that I have pending and uh, this and that. Cooking. I've been cooking a lot, you know, three meals a day. Good meals a day, I have to say, you know, entire full meals a day. I don't think there's a restaurant in the world that offers so many great dishes like me. <laughs> what, what have you been cooking? I love eating and I love good food. So everything starts from uh, the time where you go to the market and choose your products. And it's, it's so much like the theater. Growing up in the theater, it's, it's so similar to that because it's a creative process that demands different steps and different faces. And to me, finding the right tomato for, you know, uh, something that I want to do specifically, that's as important as the, as the process of uh, cooking it. So, you know, breakfasts are, are always very uh, important. When I have time, I make some huevos rancheros, delicious huevos rancheros with the secret, you know, sauce that my mom made all the way when we were kids. And if I have time, I can, I can also, you know, go for some uh, uh, eggs and uh, potatoes and onions and a la mexicana, we call them. Eggs with potatoes, onions, and uh, some chorizo sometimes. Or I can go all the way to France, you know, and uh, create a really cool uh, French omelette uh, with uh, some uh, goat cheese with some accents of truffles. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, um, I cook all the way from uh, paella or, you know, lamb stew or, you know, and grill. I grill a lot. 
Well, I look forward to you then doing your own cooking shows and posting them on YouTube. All right. So let's talk about, let's talk about some of your work. You've said that you like to take projects that um, take you to extremes. And when I look past at the past year, just of the project you've done just recently, I see the extremes. We have um, the Midnight Sky that George Clooney starred and directed in, which is set in space, and you play a role in there. Land, which I just watched over the weekend, Robin Wright, stars and directs for the first time, and you're in that. And then coming up is Godzilla versus King Kong. And those movies are as different as you can possibly imagine in terms of big budget, little budget, sci-fi, wilderness. I mean, it's all over the place. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your approach to when you find a role and why you choose that role? Well, and um, I had to add to those uh, titles uh, that right in between uh, Land and the Midnight Sky, I, I shot a film in Mexico in Spanish. You know, I, I go back home whenever I, there's, a, there's a cool project for me to do, whether it's theater or films. And uh, and that's 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 the cherry on the cake because it is, it has been very very uh, diverse, not only in terms of uh, industries but in terms of budget and genres. And the film I did in Mexico is a very very cool uh, story that happens in one afternoon, and we we shot that in only two weeks, uh, and uh, it's of course you know in Spanish. And it's it's it, it was great. We already opened that in Mexico. It's called Danica, uh, by a director named uh, Michael Rowe, who's uh, who's a Mexican Australian, and uh, he's a great filmmaker. So the the movie is about a writer whose life is uh, revolved upside down by the encounter of a teenager on the beach and how. Uh, all his, the way he knew life and uh, his own perspective uh, toward youth and love and everything else gets revolutionized in one afternoon. This is not a love story or anything like that, but it's a very, very heavy encounter between two generations. And uh, so that's what the film is about. And it was it was pretty pretty cool to to make that film, and I'm telling you, you don't get any lower budget than that. We shot that in in two weeks, and it cost only I don't know three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make. Well, you could shoot it on an iPhone these days or on a smartphone and save a little bit more. Right? Well, <laughs> totally. And what I'm you know I'm saying that because I can we actors we have that freedom, and that that uh, capacity we can fluctuate. Uh, you know, into robust type of uh, budgets and then go into nothing type of budgets. And uh, and we shot, for example, we shot land in only 29 days. That's unusual for, you know, the U.S. industry. It's very common in Latin America to shoot that way in such a small period of time. But it's unusual to uh, to do that in the U.S. And uh, And we did it. And we only achieved that because we had a great captain. Our captain, you know, made sure that we, you know, we would get it on time and, uh, and the way we want it. And I'm talking about, of course, Robin Wright. And, of course, you know, when you have a great team around you like she did, like we did, uh, our producers and uh, the magnificent crew that we had over there up in uh, Alberta's mountains, the mountains of Alberta in Canada, and... Um, 
and the weather conditions. You know, this is a film where Mother Nature plays a key role, plays another character. And in the story, we cover four seasons. So we needed to shoot, you know, segments from each season. You can only imagine how crazy was uh, even the thought of that, to shoot in 29 days. And we were so lucky that we got four seasons in 29 days. That's that's how beautiful, you know, sometimes, including... including I was going to say, including a fair amount of snow. Yeah. In, in, including yeah. winter, yeah. And this is, this is really crazy because we were thinking the plan was to shoot, you know, spring, summer, autumn, and then come back in February and to, sh- to shoot some snow. And then we had it. We had, we had some pristine, beautiful, you know, sunny days. And then the morning after, four feet of snow. And, uh, and that's a blessing. You know, that, that's, that's only good luck. We were protected by all kinds of angels. And then after doing the film in Mexico, I, I, I got, you know, this beautiful invitation by George Clooney to jump into that spaceship and go to London and shoot the midnight sky. And we finished shooting the midnight sky at the end of February, you know, somewhere in February, mid-February, and right before the planet stopped, right before the pandemic hit. And I was traveling in Europe uh, before I came here and got secluded. It's been a year now, today. talk about the quiet movies which i call land and the midnight sky and your roles in them these are movies about uh, people dealing with inner struggles and isolation and you know being on their own and having to survive in a way whether it's in space but let's talk about land you know surviving in the wilderness you seem very at ease uh chopping wood and being this mountain man but i understand you're a city a city guy, so that must have been a challenge for you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that was one of the challenges. Um, I am a city man. I grew up in Mexico City, and I lived in New York, and I lived in, you know, I live in Los Angeles, and uh, I've shot in many great cities in the world, and uh, I, I, I just, you know, that's me. I'm a concrete guy, <laughs> a concrete guy. And, uh, but the outdoors, that is exactly why whenever I'm outdoors, you know, it hits me very nicely. It eases my heart, and it eases it eases my mind, and uh, many things come to place when you are facing a beautiful ocean or up in that mountain, like where we were, where we shot this film. One of our jobs as actors is becoming an expert in certain subject matters, in um, uh, and and becoming experts on you know performing some uh, skills, particular skills, and in this case. There were so many that I have never tried before in my life. You only you only think that chopping wood is easy until you try. <laughs> you know? When you see that, it's like, I can do that. Yeah, right. Well, if you don't do it right, and that's something I asked my trainer. We were trained, we were trained by a real mountain guy. I asked him, so if you don't do it right, what's the real risk? Oh, you can chop off your leg. Oh, okay. Let's pay attention then. Uh, yeah, if you don't do it properly, boom, the leg goes off. And then we we learn how to fish and how to uh, hunt and how to uh, you know uh, skin a deer 
or, you know, uh, build traps or all kinds of things. And um, keep a fire alive, you know, get some fire out of nothing. And, and when you do that as an actor, you want to go deep into that so you have that grounded and you have that, uh, you know, solid manner so you can stop thinking about it. So you don't have to think about that when you do it on the screen. So it comes naturally. And then, so, yeah, you, you do it very, you know, expertly. <laughs> and, um, and I think I could survive right now, you know, if I was left alone in that mountain. Without giving away too many spoilers, this is a movie in which Robin Wright is someone who is dealing with loss and decides to just get away from civilization. And she goes ostensibly to a cabin, I believe in Wyoming, although you filmed in Mm -hmm. uh, Canada, and just basically chuck the whole world, including her phone and all the outside distractions. And she has uh, mixed success, let's say, until she meets you. So why don't you tell us who you are who is this character that you play? I play Miguel Borras. He is a, a Mexican who has lived in this, you know, reservation area for many years. That's where he found love and when he got married and where he uh, lives. And he does a very, very specific uh, job, which is uh, bringing water, clean water to the reservation. And it's a, it's a, he works for a, a and, and this, this, this project actually exists. It's called uh, Dig Deep. And um, because you'd be surprised how, me, how many millions of uh, Americans don't have clean water. And that's, that's like a, a real problem. So Miguel does that. And, uh, and he is a hunter. He is a mountain guy. And that's how he, you know, survives. And he knows the ins and outs of the mountain. And that's how that's how he finds Edie, and uh, and as he says, you know, it was very easy to know that you were in trouble because on my way up, when I was hunting, I saw your cabin and I saw smoke coming out of your cabin, like any other cabin would have, you know, this time of year. And then on my way back, there was no smoke. That's when I knew. That's when I knew something was not right. So he goes in and finds this human being in need of help. And one of the things I love about this film is that sometimes human beings need an excuse to help somebody else. But most of the time, people live in their own bubbles, in their own uh, nihilism, and no one really cares for others. You know, you don't care if you're if you hear screams, screaming from you know your neighbor's house, as long as that doesn't affect you. And Miguel takes this uh, opportunity to do something about another human being, even if he doesn't know anything about that person, without asking any questions. She is just there in his path, and that's exactly why he helps her. And you actually say that in the movie. Why did you help me? Because you, I came across you, or you were in my, you were you were in my, in my path, basically. Right. And Yeah. That's a good moment. Um, let me then ask how you go from that to... Godzilla versus King Kong. Obviously, big budget. <laughs> Who are you in this movie? So I have never been in a film like uh, Godzilla and Kong, where you have to play most of your work versus a green screen. You know, everything you play, it's just imagining the beasts, imagining this and imagining that, because that's not really happening right there. You know, that's 
that's uh, made in post-production. So that's, that's the beauty and complexity of that. And uh, my character in that film is a multi-billionaire who has some really interesting plans without, you know, giving up, uh, away any, any spoilers. Very, very interesting plans, to say the least. And, uh, and you will see what money can do sometimes, you know, because money, money can be great, but it can also be a burden. You know, it's, it's great if you know what to do with it. And it's, it could be good or bad. So let's talk about something that you said is in a fight, uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, that you are a King Kong fan. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> I am. A, yeah, I'm more like a Kong man. I, 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 don't, I don't dig this guy, Godzilla. You know, I, I still don't get him. I guess I'm closer to Kong <laughs> in every sense. Did you watch these movies when you were growing up? You know, there's a whole, the, all the the Japanese Godzilla films and the King yeah. Kong movies. Yeah. 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 I mean, not all of them, but yes, I, I, I watched those films when I, when I was a kid growing up. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was just fascinating how technology has changed so much. And what do you see now? When you see Godzilla versus Kong, when I saw the film, I, uh, I was really, really amazed by the reality of it. It's so beautiful the way, you know, they have made that so tangible. It's something when you watch the film, it's almost like you can breathe the, uh, you know, these animals. It's like you can sense them. You can touch them almost. It's just unbelievable what they can do nowadays. Are you a fan of technology? I asked. We're a consumer technology site. So <laughs> what's your view of tech in general? I'm a big fan and user of technology. I, I appreciate that so much. You know, I mean, this this has been a, a tremendous revolution, you know, and it's been only, this is only 30 years old. You know, a lot of people don't care for that. Um, I think this is, this these devices have helped us shorten distances. And that's to me the most important part in human communication. Because back in the days, you weren't even born yet, but back in those days, you had to, you know, the way when I moved to New York from Mexico to New York, in order to get in touch with my parents, you had to write a letter and it would take two weeks to go. And then the response would take another two weeks to come back. And if I dare to pick up the phone and call them because I miss them very much, it would be like crazy expensive. You know, it was cheaper to buy an airplane ticket and just go visit them. You know what I mean? And uh, so nowadays, look at us. Look at us doing this. You know, I, I have a daughter, a beautiful daughter in Spain. So I talk to Gala all the time. You know, this has been fantastic. I think it's wonderful. You know, uh, you know the electric cars and everything we can do with that. But again, let's, we have to take out of the equation, we have to take the bad guys out of the equation. You know, because this needs to be good for everybody, not just for a bunch of people. Who who are the bad guys? Well, the guys who profit from it and don't care about anybody else. You know what I mean? That they don't care what the impact socially uh, represents, you know, and, uh, and and they don't take the responsibility seriously. You know, look, look, look what we've been, you know, going through in the last over the last four years. You know what I mean? Because one thing is freedom of speech and another thing is the danger that represents that a bunch of idiots, you know, use 
social media just to hide uh, their names and their faces and just create all kinds of trouble, you know. And sometimes they do it, you know, with putting their face on their names too. And that's also, you know, crazy. One thing that we all need to understand is that we're all in this together, you know, and that's the beauty of those films that, that, are, that, you, that we're talking about, you know, Land on the Midnight Sky. The Midnight Sky is a perfect representation of who we are. We are, we are that spaceship, you know, that small spaceship with five crew members only. That's planet Earth. That's humanity. And we depend on each other. And we have to cover each other's backs. You know, there's no, no place for selfishness and uh, for, for stupidity. We have to be truthful and love each other. One, there's, there has to be only one race, you know, the human race. And that's, that's what those films talk about. In land, these two human beings meet. They meet and they're entirely different. From different backgrounds, different everything. Different languages, different everything. Different cultures. And they don't care about that. They don't need to ask any questions. They don't need to know anything from each other. They just know that they're the same species and they need each other. And also in the midnight sky, that's exactly who we are. If you take a look at the crew members, we are, you know, different nationalities, different races and different everything, different backgrounds. That's planet Earth right there up in, the sp- in, you know, in, in, in space, in the middle of nowhere. That's planet Earth. Our planet is right in the middle of nowhere. And until we have certainty about any other, you know, species living in somewhere else in another, you know, solar system, then this is it. This is it. This is about us. And we need to understand that. This is the same boat. Whatever you believe in, this is the same boat. And we're in the same uh, journey. This podcast is I'm so obsessed. What are you obsessed with these days? <laughs> Depending on what I'm doing, if I'm playing a chess match, I get so obsessed with it. You know, I, I can't I just can't let that go, you know. If I'm working on a song, that's my my new obsession. And I I I'm into it until I find it, until I find the right instruments and I find the right way and this and that. If I'm preparing a role, that's my new obsession. You know, I go deep into it until I get it nailed. I'm also very obsessed with football. You know, football, you know, the world football, the one you play with your feet, not American football, but football. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I'm obsessed with that. So well, I, We call that soccer, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the one we call soccer. I I, uh, I follow, you know, the German league, the La, La Bundesliga, or the Premier League in England, the United Kingdom, and the, or La Liga in Spain, and the La Liga from Mexico, of course. You uh, started our conversation by talking about using YouTube to uh, practice your guitar, and uh, you were asked not too long ago uh, what kind of um, movie you would like to do that you haven't done across your very varied career, and you mentioned maybe you should <laughs> sing in a musical because you're singing. Uh, what kind of music are you into, and if you were in a musical... What would it be? Do you have a favorite musical? Oh Lord, I mean, I'm into all kinds of things. You know, I'm into all kinds of things. I, I, I just love music in general. You know, if you take a look at my play, my, 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 my music in my phone or my playlists or whatever, you find music, all kinds of music, all the way from 
rural Mexico into, you know, opera or um, classical music or classic rock or all kinds of genres and, uh, and uh, from different places. And what I do is I just fool around with my guitar, you know, and my piano and I compose my own things and stuff and all that. And, uh, and I, I, I love to sing ever since I was a kid. And, um, and singing heals your soul as well. You know, the vibrations that singing cause, they are known to be, you know, uh, healing. They, they have healing pro- uh, properties. It's, a, it's almost like when you meditate and when you do mantras, you know, this thing about um, that vibration heals your spirit, heal, heal, heals your organs. And, uh, and singing does that. The, 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 the musical instrument creates that. And, um, you know, I just happen to be singing in these two films, you know, so it's a really, you know, uh, funny coincidence, you know, when we sang uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World and then uh, Sweet Caroline with George Clooney in uh, The Midnight Sky. And it's just a lot of fun, you know. I, I, I sang also before for some, uh, I do the Spanish version of Aladdin from Disney, and I, I sing those those songs too there, and I sang the other, you know, in the Spanish version of uh, Little Mermaid. I played the uh, prince and the French cook. So I I've sang before, you know. And I did a <laughs> I did a play in uh, at the um, a taper forum here. Luis Valdez says Zut Zut, and uh, and the character sings seven songs also. So I'm 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 ready and always happy to do that, you know. And uh, yes, a musical will be fun. Okay. Did you have a favorite musical growing up? Yeah. You know, all kinds of uh, things that my parents used to play for us. Uh, my mother's favorite, all-time favorites, because my mom sings beautifully. She used to skate home when, I, when she was a kid. When she was a kid in her hometown, she used to skate home to go and sing at the radio. And then my, my grandmother didn't know that <laughs> until she, had, she got busted. But... Um, she loves Aretha Franklin and Barbara Streisand and all kinds of, you know, trio music and uh, rancheras music and uh, all kinds. We have our own favorites also, you know, Jose Jose and uh, many other beautiful singers, uh, Pedro Infante, Jorge Negrete. And, and of course, classical music. That's, that's when I fell in love with it. You know, my, my, my parents always play beautiful classical music early on Saturdays and Sundays and, uh, operas and um and i whenever i have a chance to go to the opera i go well it sounds like you have a lot of things to keep you busy because you're also cooking in between all of that <laughs> damien bichard thank you so much for taking some time and talking to us really enjoyed the conversation thank you Connie. it was it was fun thanks very much thanks again to damien bichard for talking with me and thank you for listening we hope you'll take a moment to subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, be safe. <laughs>